Hello, Chris Mancini, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, Matt. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to, to be here with you. You're actually one of the very few people who I met in person before having on the show. So this is uh, a rare occasion for me, so I'm really excited. Many, many years ago, right? Uh... This is so true. So speaking about many, many years ago, and we'll talk about our shared histories as well, but there is something that, that is more important than that. I have a video on my phone. I'm not going to play it on, you know, I can't. Video is not a great, great medium when I'm recording an audio podcast. But with that said, I have a video on my podcast of a four-year-old, I think a four or five-year-old Chris Mancini beating Peter Bromka in a race up the, the to the stairs and up the stairs. So I guess congratulations on that. And have you beaten Peter Bromka in a race since then? It was the one time I beat Peter Bromka. Although by the transitive property, I have beaten him because uh, Ronner, you probably know, and I'm going to butcher his last name, Bronson uh, Venable. Yes, of course. Island. Um Peter has beaten Bronson in some races, not every race, but I beat Bronson in a beer mile one time. So, wow, that's because Bronson, Bronson drinks too. Like, this is not like, oh, I, Bronson's never had a beer, but he's really fast. I wonder how he'll do. Yeah. Like, he's happy taking a beer too. Like, that, that's that's a huge accomplishment. But you know, yeah. Bronson Venables once, once, once led the Boston Marathon for a mile, it was, it was purely <laughs> a staged PR stunt on his part, but he literally read the you know, was was ahead of the Boston Marathon field for a while. Yeah, so really nice guy. I haven't seen him for a number of years, but I love, you know, he and Peter race against each other almost annually. And it's it sort of, I think, goes back and forth. Who's going to come out on top each time? <laughs> Bronson is, um, he has he has actually been on the show before. I'm pretty sure he has. So way, way, way back. We're talking about years and years. But he is someone who people don't know. He's He is a native Rhode Islander. Um, has lived in Rhode Island his whole life. So I've like run in the same races as him. I would never say I raced Bronson Venables because that would denigrate his name and be like, yeah, I raced him in a 5K. He beat me by seven minutes, you know, yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm telling people I'm racing Elliot Kipchoge this year, so I think you could go crazy. There you go. See, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and I'm not, people that say, oh, Matt's exaggerating. Bronson didn't beat him by seven minutes in a 5K. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. He exactly. literally ran 14 minutes. And I ran 21 minutes. Yeah. So like he, I could have given him a mile. He could have given me a mile head start. And it would have been a, a fight been. to the finish. <laughs> that is um, great. So is that was that the highlight of your athletic career? I don't I don't want to like skip to the last page here, but beating yeah. of Edibles in a beer mile that's a pretty pretty uh, august accomplishment. It, it might be. I, you know, I made notes of like some of the stories I wanted to make sure to get in today, and that wasn't even on the list. But you know. I, should have been the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> that is hysterical. Do you remember your time? I love, I love like these random times I can throw out there for people. Yeah, yeah. I, it was. I, I don't know if this was a uh, measured course, but I, I did like a low sevens. It was, it was actually pretty impressive. It was like a seven o, seven ten maybe. Um, and then the next time I ran a beer mile, it was like eleven minutes. So I don't know if it was a freak kind of thing, but uh, I don't understand the unmeasured beer mile. Isn't every beer mile done on a track? Like, how can this be unmeasured? at a brewery and it was around the the brewery down in rhode island uh, oh which is it which 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 brewery foolproof brewery they did it a couple of years and uh oh wow a, my prize was a um a bunch of foolproof beers and a a, a boot a glass boot you know which i still have and i, I love that thing you know, they, i mean 710 if you just say okay i'll give you 30 seconds for each beer that means it's a five minute mile which is why I think it was not 
quite 400 meter because <laughs> my mile PR is 521 and that's that's a lot of effort for me so right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that yeah so it's like more like the the beer race than the beer yeah. mile yeah let's go with that <laughs> i love that I, so like, we'll talk about your athletic journey you mentioned you're running boston you know you versus kipchoge battle of the champions we can't we, we have, absolutely we have to talk about that um but i love talking about you know your journey, you're someone like I talked with Peter about your running many times. People don't know you and Peter are cousins. Um, Peter has been um, really great about sharing stories about his mother in recent in recent months, ever since her passing. People may remember, you know, her 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 last name was Mancini. That's obviously your last name, and that's the familial connection there. So, just going back, what was your athletic history like? Going back to you know your early teenage years and kind of moving up from there. Yeah, our, our families were really close. Uh, my dad and his mom, brother and sister, really, really close. So we grew up seeing each other every year. I've been trying to remember why I started running. And the, I don't have a clear memory, but I feel like it has to be connected to the fact that I was watching the Bromkas get involved in this. And I was just like, well, I should do it. You know, if they're doing it, I, sh- I should do that. You know, I, I think, you know, I looked up to them and they, they looked up to us in different ways and, and different things. And one of the best things about Peter's mom, Julie, was she was always so proud of everybody. And so, you know, we for years have been being like, oh, am I going to get into Boston and, and Peter and Chris will get to run together? And, you know, the fact that she's not here for this is just like one more kind of painful reminder that she's gone. It's just like she would have loved this, you know, and, and you know, she she didn't she didn't run, you know, or her. Peter's dad was the runner, but she like just really was so proud of of anything her family was doing. And, uh, you know, her go to saying her, her advice to me was always don't embarrass the family. <laughs> so, anytime you were, whether you were going out on a podcast or you were just going to the movies with that, remember, don't embarrass the family. <laughs> so, oh, my God. That's that to our child. Um, but, yeah, I must have just like been mildly inspired I, I ran cross country in middle school that was my 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 burgeoning and then you know i got to eighth grade and discovered theater and music and then became the theater music kid for the next you know 15 years and um my you know the legendary day was in eighth grade running cross fall cross country i'm coming around we're coming into the finish and you can hear the crowd they're they're screaming they're cheering I'm like wow this is so great only to realize they're not cheering for the runners. They're screaming at my dad, who is standing in the middle of the course, looking around for where the runners are. And they're all being like, get off the course, get off the course. <laughs> and I could see him from like, you know, 400 meters away. They got him off the course. Um, we finished and that was, that was my clear memory. Although I did pass a guy, I remember my kick. The guy got so frustrated, he grabbed my shirt yanked me behind him i was like what the hell is this <laughs> but uh, they fixed it and they fixed it in post in the in the shoot so they fixed it in post wow it's talking like a real theater guy right there right. they fixed it in post <laughs> i love that maybe not maybe more film more more film than theater you can't you can't you can't fix theater in post right yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> if um, only um yeah, so and that's that's how I remember you because you and I both went to Vassar College. I I don't know if we were exactly the same year. I, I graduated two thousand three. Yeah, and I was two thousand two, so we were there okay. at the same time. But again, yeah. I was a fully theater kid there. So you know, I first day at Vassar, I um, I showed up to cross country practice. I'm like, you know, reinvent yourself. I'm getting back to my roots. I'm going to run cross country, and I was on the cross country team for one day. I finished the first run 
maybe as far behind as you were with Bronson in that race. And I, I showed up and the guy was like, oh, did your shoelace come undone? And I was like, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it. Nailed it. Not <laughs> because you were all so fast and I really got out of my depth here. So I, I didn't go back, but I did join the fencing team, which uh, was a whole experience in itself. And if you want to know how good the Vassar fencing team was, I was team captain within three months. So, you know, <laughs> zero experience. So it was, uh, it was a really, it was terrifying, but it well, was, it, it, you know, it's like, isn't like a move in, in fencing a feint. Yeah. I mean, like that, that, that played into your skill set as a theater person already. I'm faking them out. And, and, you know, it was, it was very theatrical. Help me with the stage combat later on. Well, you were just, you were just preparing for Macbeth. This is all just stagecraft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, but we I should say, because like, I really love running as an adult and who knows what I've gotten burned out. What I've been like that guy, just like, gosh, I trashed myself as a, as a kid. So I feel like I appreciate it a lot more as a. Yeah. And we should give people a little backstory here. Like, so Vassar is not known for his athletic prowess, generally speaking, but there are certain pockets within Vassar that were actually very accomplished. Um, you know, rugby being one of them, uh, especially yeah. women's rugby, but men's and women's, I think when we were both there was very accomplished. The cross country team was extremely accomplished. Yeah. They were very, very good. And so when you say like, hey, like I wasn't able to run, but I was able to fence, it's not an apples to apples comparison. The running teams were, were, were excellent. The they fencing excellent. teams less so. I played basketball was somewhere in the middle of those two things. Yeah. Um, so I think we should say like that, that cross country team had an august group of people on it. Steve Money was fantastic. Avi yeah. Kramer after him. Those were both all American type runners um, at the level of, of our of our my friend and your cousin, Peter Bromka. They were basically at his level as college yeah. performers. Yeah. Um, so that not being on that team is not not exactly a slight to your athletic prowess. No, I, and I say it all in good humor. And, you know, I think the, the theater department was as accomplished in its own field as the uh, cross I mean, that was the real, that was the real <laughs> you know, extracurricular activity of Vassar. We should say, like, like that, that the theater program was, talking about an august group, I mean, that's really Meryl where Streep. it was at. Meryl Streep went to Vassar. We don't even have to go back in time. <laughs> like, I, I remember, like, one of my friends at Vassar was Anne Hathaway. I mean, right. you can speak to like you speak to the, the yeah, present yeah. day, right? Like her, like I had another friend, Heather. Her roommate was Samuel Jackson's daughter. I once yeah, rode in the right. elevator with John Ritter because he was visiting his daughter. Like all of these people were there at the same time. Absolutely, and people have gone on to amazing things. This is not really what I plan to talk about, but I do have to do a plug for my good friends. I, when I left Vassar, I, I was a off, 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 off Broadway producer for a brief time, and I produced. Is that the, Jersey City? Is that Jersey City Productions? It was Manhattan. I, I <laughs> maybe had too many offs, but uh, the Debate Society, a fantastic theater company, uh, founded by Paul Thorine and Hannah Boss and Oliver Butler. But Paul and Hannah now have an amazing show on HBO called Somebody Somewhere. Second season's about to come out, um, but I mean, just people do amazing stuff that, that come out of there. Oh, there's no question. Yeah, that, that the theater production there and then like the summer productions, like again, that's not why we're here, but it does say like hey, you were obviously right. someone where who Hamilton was started. That's where Hamilton started. Is that right? Yeah, one of their first productions was up at Vassar. Wow. Powerhouse Theater. I love the go. name. That's like yeah. one of the best named things yeah. of all time. The powerhouse, yeah. Um Yeah, and I, the reason I wanted to bring that up and make sure we talked about it, because I think it also highlights your ability to become fully involved in something, right? Like being involved with Vassar theater 
is a huge thing, right? That that takes up a lot of time. It's an enormous commitment, and you're there with with high achieving individuals. So there there is that that element of it, like, hey, this is not like merely a hobby, right? It is something far greater than that. And I think that being able to fully invest oneself in that sort of endeavor, whether it's athletic or not, I think is 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 a wonderful skill to learn. And obviously has has paid dividends just from a running perspective. I mean, uh, post-college, can you talk about how you got back into running? Because here you are now, like, you're running the Boston Marathon. It's not because, you know, you you fundraise for it. And I say that because, like, someone who works in the nonprofit space, fundraising is part and parcel with what you do. But, like, you qualified for Boston. And it wasn't as if, like, again, like, you were just been running your whole life and boom – well, I'm back from Boston. Here we go. Like you earned your way there, and, and you became a kind of a a running. That's it. To quote to quote Peter again, like a running nerd in the process, like yeah. uh, seemingly out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's, just, it's 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 really interesting to see you like fully invest in something similar to how, in a similar way that you did um, from a theater perspective earlier in your life. Yeah, I no, I, you're you're right on with how I think about it, um, and and it was kind of out of nowhere. Um, my, you know, 2009, my wife and I were just, you know, we've been married almost 16 years now, um, Abigail, and we're just like, hey, let's, um, why, why don't you do a half marathon? You know, like a lot, of, I've heard a lot of that story. It's like, why don't we just, you know, we're in our late 20s, early 30s, let's, let's get out there and run. And we trained together through the summer to run the Philadelphia half marathon. We had a blast. We didn't know anything about pacing or time. I think I was just under two hours. Um and I remember getting towards the finish and watching everyone curve off to do the marathon and be like, those poor bastards, like, <laughs> what are they going to do this again? Um, but we had a great time and I just it got the bug. I was like, that was a lot of fun. And I started Googling local races. And I remember one of the next races I did, I still, they don't do it anymore, but it was, it was Winnikenny Castle or Winnikenny Park in Northern Massachusetts. It was like a four mile trail race around this lake near this, castle thing and it was fall it was this beautiful i was like wow i'm up here and like you know it was a really local race i did okay you know it wasn't competing for the podium or anything but i was like wow i did okay here you know maybe this is a thing and i just i just got the bug and i started you know started doing it and and you know i was looking at peter and my brother-in-law jacob um is also a runner watching them out in oregon being like ah they, they make it sound so hard I, I'm going to go out and qualify for the Boston Marathon. Like anyone could just go do that. I had no respect at all. And uh, it was like two or three years later, I ran. My Don't embarrass the family, Chris. Don't, Don't embarrass the family. Well, I did manage to follow that advice by not <laughs> blabbing around what I'm saying now on a podcast that a lot of people listen to. But but I didn't go around being like, oh, I'm going to go out there and do this. No big deal. I just I just you know thought that in my head. I did okay. I did pretty good. I, I you know, I think you you just put out that thing this morning, you know, about don't don't downplay the talent. You know, I think I have some genetics, you know, I share some genetics with Peter. There's some there's some innate talent in there somewhere. And I, I did 324 in my first marathon. And I did wow. it while wearing a pair. I had just read Born to Run, and I was wearing a pair of minimalist new balance trail shoes. And uh you know, I got them for 25 bucks because like it was already fading. The trend was already fading. They were offloading all their minimalist shoes and I got like three pairs. I love those shoes. Though. They were great. Um, but I, you know, got to mile 16 and was like, oh, it's hard now and kind of flopped my way in. But uh, still still turned out a pretty good time. 324, though. That is legit. All right. Let's go back to the, the training that you did for the Philly half. Um, people who were getting into running. Again, you had 
dalliances with running before then. So it wasn't a, a completely novel experience, but this, this, this pure joy that you had um, with it, what about that training and the race or both really sucked you in with, with such gravity? That's a great question. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, a big part of it was just like my wife and I doing this together. And I don't remember what plan we used. You know, we got downloaded something or we got a book and we're just like, okay, we see that you're supposed to run this many miles. I don't think we did any speed work um, or anything like that. We did, we did some like faster tempos probably, but it was pretty loose. It was like, let's go out. We're going to run this many times. We're going to run down to the Mystic River. We're going to go into the Middlesex Fells. I just remember going out to the, the fells one day and it's like 95 degrees in August. And we just were like miserable. We're like, what, what is this? And I think we did half the run and <laughs> went home, but you know, again, it's those memories of us like doing it together and being like having, having a good time. And, and I, I guess it was just finishing and going, you know, that felt good. It felt good to move our move like that and to try something that wasn't, that wasn't normal it was like oh i, I do have to work at this something i, I now i decided i i do want to work at and again having that seeing having inspiration having i don't want to give peter all the credit you know he gets enough credit no we, but, can, we can stop talking about peter bronca at any time no but i was really i would look at him and i would just be like yeah, this guy he does it you know he ran in college like this is cool and i'm related and like i want to be part of the team you know part of the group it's like fun to be part of the group and it's really we you know the fact that i've started nerding out about it we get, we talk all the time about this stuff now yeah i want to talk about this because and we'll talk about the nerding out part of it too because i think that's also really interesting because that's something that a lot of amateur runners don't do like the, you don't see in other sports but you still just talk about this part now we'll skip i was gonna say something but we'll skip that part later um in most sports like you don't see people be like hey i play a lot of men's league basketball right or adult yeah. league basketball but i don't follow the nba like you don't hear that, right? You don't like you don't right. be like, hey, you know, like, and you can do the comparable sports, right? Like, hey, we're playing, you know, adult league baseball, but like, who's Mike Trout? Like, oh, he's the MVP of the of, of the MLB. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, but in running, there is this for a lot of people discrepancy, you know, yeah. between like, hey, I put in the daily miles, but like, Shalane Flanagan can come rolling up on me in a run, and I wouldn't know who that was, right? right? And it's like it's a, it, so being a running nerd is not necessarily like part of the sport in an amateur perspective the way it is for basically any other sport if an, if an adult was taking part in it so talk to me about like why you chose to not only become you know invested in running for your own running sake but also just from a, a knowledge-based perspective and following the sport uh, at the highest level i i i have this conversation with my nine-year-old daughter actually because i'm when I was doing theater and music, like I get really inspired by watching people do the thing I love, right? I would go to concerts and I'd go home and write two songs or start two songs or something. You know, you get inspired, like, oh, I want to, this got me going. I want to, I want to get creative with it. And so the same thing with running. It's like, oh, I love watching someone achieve and like do great stuff. I think it's like this, why we, why we watch sports in general. My friend Tom, who, when we really got into running, he and I were like, doing a bunch of training together. We still, he doesn't live nearby anymore, but we still do like distance, you know, we text each other our workouts and things like that. He loves basketball. He loves, he's like, I love the, the, it's like reality television before reality television, but, but true. Like you never know when like a Jeremy Lin's going to come out of nowhere and there's going to be this great story and you don't know the ending. Right. So I just love watching people 
like accomplish something and seeing it happen. So I get inspired, right? So that, that's why I like to watch it. And I have this, I, I, my daughter's really into basketball. She's playing in fourth grade basketball leagues. And I was like, let's go to a, let's go down to Connecticut and see a WNBA game. Let's go to the high school. She's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to watch it. I want to do it. And I like really respect that and appreciate that, that she's got that go-getter attitude. But I'm like, no, like let's watch it also. It doesn't take away from you. <laughs> right, right. It's like, but you're going to get ideas. Right, you're, not, you're not taking her out of her Tuesday night game to go watch <laughs> the Connecticut Sun. You're like, no, we're going to do both of these. I'm going to lock your basketball in the basement because you're not watching <laughs> games on television with me. <laughs> oh my God. That is funny. Yeah. Cause it, it is, I, I do find it enjoyable uh, to do both and to be full, to be invested in both. And that's just also like how I grew up too, right? Like if I was playing sports, I was also following sports. So I didn't feel like there was any sort of disconnect. Um, as and I talked to KSA Lehman about this when he was on the pod as someone who was at Vassar when we were both there. Yeah. He was there as a professor and now he's known as one of the best writers in the world, which is so you know a long time coming. I, was there, I could have taken classes with him and I and I didn't. And I was taking like English and writing classes too. How dare what, you? What a missed opportunity. You you were there like learning about like Proust from like Professor Johnson. You could have been studying with, with KSA Lehman. Ugh, I'm so late to the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's like it's like the the one thing I've asked like I actually like I'm so proud of that I did. It's like everything else I have I have yeah. no I've I'm not proud of anything else that I did at Vassar College. Except for that one little thing. Being like bold trying to be like boldly anti racist in all my professional and other work now. I'm just like <laughs> we're going nuts here, but uh um that's for later in the podcast. <laughs> well I'll tell you what, I so one thing that he mentioned, and I witnessed it many times, and we actually talked about this while I was at Vassar, like we were talking about this all the time, is that this disconnect between people who were like were fundamentally like trying to get ahead with their brain, right? Intellectual pursuits, whether that was again from an English and writing perspective or even like in from a theater perspective, and the idea of like, all right, you were doing that seriously. Or you were doing something with your body seriously. So like even he would get looked down upon for being like playing basketball and working out all the time. Like other professors would be like, you can't be doing that and like also be a writer. It's like, you hear about that now, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, what do you, you mean? Gotta, you you got to sit and drink a ton and like kill yourself. That's right. how you be a writer. <laughs> right, right. Like, does, didn't you learn anything from Ernest Hemingway? You just have to bleed on the page. You can't bleed at the gym. Um <laughs> So it was it was so funny like hearing it in retrospect being like this is such like an odd way of framing it but like you see it all the time with these sort of like these um like these false classifications and like these meaningless silos that like that 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 are, that are made out of like saran wrap right like there there's no structure to this like why why do people feel hemmed in in this way um but it's interesting to me like that that obviously wasn't the case for you like even now like you're still you know, someone who, who is, you know, well aware of the, the theater side of things and you're a musician and you're an active runner. Like this doesn't seem to have, you know, crystallized in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you just do the things you like, I guess. <laughs> it's just like, Oh, I like this. I'm going to do this. And someone says, I'm going to get it totally wrong, but you know, you don't, don't like, you get there's so much pressure and like decide what you want to be and, and decide what your career is going to be or something like that. It's like, well, why don't you just explore your passions and then something will crystallize into you shouldn't, you, you aren't born with like your destination. Right. And that puts like so much pressure on us where you go, Hey, I'll, I was my mom kind of was the role model in this. She had all these different jobs. She like ran a, 
a literary lecture series for years. She worked in television production. She worked on political campaigns. She would not, not to make her sound like she's like flipping and jumping around. She would devote herself to this for a while, but she's like, well, now I want to try something else. I'm interested in this. And to, to see someone be able to move around and, and try different things, like, yeah, why not? We're just like, just try to enjoy yourself. Right. And the old cliche, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, right? If you can monetize it. You're a perfect example of that, right? You're like doing, you're your own boss. You're doing what you love. You're doing, got like 27 podcasts. I don't know how you have time to do anything, but. Well, that's the thing. I'm my own boss, which is a really fancy way of saying I have a really bad boss. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, but you know, this also dovetails with the idea of like the difference between inspiration in the moment and then lasting commitment to something. Right. And I think sometimes these things get conflated, the idea of inspiration and motivation oftentimes like, Oh, like how do you, how do you continue to do this? How do you continue to stay motivated? And, and you know, I, I love to hear about your own relationship with these two ideas and how they play out from a short term into like a long term, even to like an extremely long term perspective. Um, because it seems like you're someone who is, isn't, necessarily immune to the idea of inspiration and motivation, but at the same time, doesn't, doesn't feel like you're dependent on that either. Yeah. I, I, I know one thing about myself I've come to accept. I'm very goal oriented, external and very goal oriented person. I can be very motivated by like an external uh, goal. Not that like I'm doing it for a prize, but having, well, the BQ is a perfect example, the Boston qualifying time, like having that, and I guess it's just lucky for me that I happen to be at a spot where like, okay, the BQ is attainable. So that's going to be the goal I'm going to drive for. And I had this like realization recently where, you know, I've spent 10 years trying to get this BQ. It started as this thing like, ah, I'm just going to go out and do it. No big deal. I'm like, okay, now I got to I have to do it, but I'm close enough that I can keep working. I've kept missing it, but I kept getting closer. I, at some point I'm going to run a slower marathon than my last one. It might be Boston this year, you know, can't go on forever but like i've i've seen i've had very um positive reinforcement in my in my running life right because i didn't didn't try very hard in middle school didn't have those peaks so like i'm just like like peter again you know getting faster still um so so getting that that kind of positive feedback and it's starting out as like this pursuit of an external goal now that i'm in my 40s i'm like i know it's not going to go on forever but i've really appreciated how i feel and i you know i think a lot of people go through you've seen it in pop culture you see it in real life you know people as they get older it's like well i gotta actually take care of this body if i want to feel good as i get older right i know i'm not going to keep getting faster but i want to i enjoy running i i, I don't investigate it super deeply I, I think about it a lot like why do i want to just start moving quickly in this direction and not stop for 16 miles i don't know it just feels good to me like and i do it for me you know there's a small group of people who like you know parents mostly and, and family be like i'll just go brag to them about it you know be like i ran this far today oh my gosh it's amazing you get a nice little boost there but um but uh but, but yeah, I think like the long-term thing is like wanting to be a role model for my, my daughter May and, and, and take care of yourself and, you know, pursue something, have, uh, and I'm, I'm starting to ramble here, but, uh, but I just, uh, it's just the thing I like, and I guess I'll do it till I don't like it anymore and then do something else. You know, she, I never was an active basketball player, you know, I shot the ball around with my dad, but 
I really come to appreciate that sport. Um, and as, as she's getting into it, it's like, well, maybe I'll, I'll be doing more of that. You know, maybe I have to buy a pair of basketball shoes for the first time in my life and not play in my, <laughs> not play in my, uh, Pegasus. Right. <laughs> there you go. You, you can draw inspiration from, you know, watching, you know, I don't even know who, uh, Jerry McNamara going back to your Rochester days. Um, yeah. Yeah. so you ran three twenty four first marathon with some, questionable shoe choice <laughs> mix inter, intermixed within that um that's an incredible debut as a I, runner I, did an incredible. The time I had no context i was like cool not where i wanted to do but all right cool then i like learned about it i'm going oh that was actually pretty good <laughs> yeah it sure was so so that happens Talk to me about like just your your growth as a runner, right? So it's like you can you kind of jump on the scene, you do really really well, especially considering the shoe choice in the first marathon. No one runs their first marathon like perfectly well for obvious reasons, right? That's just what happens when it's your first time. So talk to me about the evolution of you as a runner after that. Once again, the kind of the shine comes off the apple a little bit, and it becomes like your, your this learning process. All right, everybody, I want to take a quick break and give a shout out to Lagoon. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. This year, I'm really trying to take better care of myself, both before and after my runs. And one of the areas that I'm really focusing on is sleep. And not just about the time you the time you spend in bed, obviously that's important, but also making sure you have quality and not just quantity. And that's a big thing, right? We talk about all the time with training. Quantity and quality, same thing with sleep. And part of that is your pillow. I have the Fox pillow. That was the one that I got after taking the online quiz, which was really interesting to take. You, you figure out like, what, what exactly do I need? What do I need my pillow for? How do I sleep? What are my preferences? And it makes a big difference. And this is a pillow I've had for over a month now. It's coincided with my biggest 30 days of training that I've ever had. And I feel really, really good. And I know a big reason for that is because of how I'm sleeping and how I'm sleeping is affected by my pillow and things are just going so well for me. Waking up from my morning runs has never felt better. I'm refreshed. I'm pain-free in large part thanks to Lagoon Pillow. So go to lagoonsleep.com. That's L-A-G-O-O-N sleep.com forward slash rambling. Take their awesome two-minute sleep quiz to find your match and then use code rambling for 15% off your first purchase today. Yeah, I mean, that's been a really fun thing about, you know, this will be my fifth marathon, but just having done multiple, you learn the language, like with anything. You're like, oh, I, I can see those intricacies. And I like that. I like getting really nitty gritty about it. So, you know, I guess a year or two after that, I ran the Disney World Marathon. My marathon choices are really odd, I guess. But, um, and I did great in the Disney World Marathon, not realizing that 90% of Disney World Marathon entries are there for the free tickets and the photo ops. I was like, I'm in the top 100. Woo! It's like one of the few people like racing the Disney World Marathon. <laughs> um, and that one was fun because I did get delirious, literally, at the end. I was like in, in La La Land and I'm, I did stop. Like there's a photo of me like tipping over onto Mulan um, because I like can barely stand up in the last three miles and trying to hug Minnie Mouse, who does not want a sweaty runner touching her um, at the finish line. <laughs> but I, I dropped into 314 there. Um, and that was and that was that was after I'm just these are all humble brags, but like that was after uh, multiple flight delays. We landed at 1 a.m. This is just a family vacation. I was like we're going and we happen to be there. Then I'll sign up for the marathon and I'm going to go for the Boston again. Landed at 1 a.m. and 
to run the Disney World Marathon, you have to like wake up at three and get there because they want everyone out by the time the park opens. So I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm going to bed. I'm not doing it. But I still set the alarm. I got up and I was like, I'm not gonna be able to sleep. I drove off and, and I did it. it was, I had done all this heat training thinking I'm going to be in Florida and I'm running in, in December in, in New England. So I'm wearing like lots of layers. I read about that somewhere. I'm like, oh, I better acclimate to the heat. 32 degrees in Florida. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. So, so, uh, so yeah, late flight, like three hours sleep, still dropped my PR by how's that for a humble brag? You guys like that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think if you call out the humble brag, it cancels it out. So now That's it's right. just talking. Oh, you're seeing right through me. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I know as someone, as someone who tries to humble brag but doesn't have a lot to humble brag about, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to get better at you know th- throwing that stuff in there. Um, so three fourteen. At Disney, that's that's again legit. Like it, just like your first marathon with the questionable shoes. Like, it, not only is it a great time, but you also can throw an asterisk on top of it and be like, "Hey, like right. three fourteen, but like there was obviously room for more growth there." Um, before we dive too much into like the, the a linear progression, um, can we also talk about like just coming back from injuries and sticking with it? Because you know this thing, like you're not you didn't just break one foot; you broke two feet. And here you are, like continuing along the path. One of them twice. I've broken it three times. Oh my gosh! Same right? I mean, it, it's, it's you know of a somewhat important part of the running of the running yeah. game, right? Yeah, real bummer. Real bummer to like, as everyone knows, to get sidelined. The good thing about breaking the bone is you're like, there's no question. I'm like stopping. You know, we all. I I've made the same mistake. Pretty much everybody does, especially the early days. You're like, oh, this is kind of sore, but I'll, I'll be fine. And then you end up sidelined with like a stress injury for weeks. And it's just, you're just kicking yourself. And I remember, I remember being out in Oregon and like just being, getting into the running. I'm like so excited to run with all the, the folks out there. And like my, my, uh, my calf was sore. I was like, it's not, so, I can't do it. I got to just sit here on the couch instead. Um, but, uh, but yeah, learning about strength training was like, the magic bullet there. I mean, it takes obviously all the work to, to maintain that, but like those first marathons, I was not able to run more than like 30 miles a week without hurting myself. Um, because I, I didn't know, I didn't know you were supposed to do all these other things. And it seemed really overwhelming. I can't stop talking about Peter Bronco, but like, he's got a great, like 20 minute kettlebell thing that he put up online it's fantastic it's so short so concise you can memorize it in minutes and i just started doing that and it's like that as the first step made all the difference and then you know every couple of months i added one more thing and that um, and that's really when like your name like came up for me again it was like 15 years after i met you you know peter posted again about it's like hey this like really easy strength routine if anyone wants to do it like he doesn't sell it it's like a free video that people can watch like he's yeah. not he's not trying to monetize it um he probably could if he wanted to but he he does it but he's like you know the way he talks about it's like hey if you don't want to believe me like my cousin did this and like has gotten way better as a runner and it's like it's, it's become really healthy and all of that stuff and i remember being like oh who's your cousin and he's like chris mancini i'm like god that name sounds remarkably familiar to me um and that was like oh hey now so that that was you know i think people have have read that post before i know it does really well whenever he kind of reshares that story and gets people the idea of like hey like this is easier than you think um talk to me about like what that routine not not is you know talking like all right how many sets how many years just more like what kind of 
tangible effect did it have on you as a runner in terms of, you know, feeling it when you're out on the run, but also in terms of the, the health and you know stability of being able to kind of stack bricks week after week. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I just bought into the idea that, you know, your body is a full system, right? It's not just your legs. You're running with your legs. But again, I, I've nerded out about this stuff. I've read a lot of things. I read, you know, listen to lots of podcasts. I'm not just sucking up, but I listen to the Rambling Runner a ton, you know, as you have so many great episodes. And, and just to get in, you can get inspired. This is one great thing just to bring it back to something we were talking about earlier. You can get inspired by anyone at any level. It's one of the great things about I think the running world, right? You can watch Kipchoge and you can watch the elites and they're really inspiring because they're so fast and they've got so much detail you can pull out of. But you can also get inspired by a Peter Bromka who's still really fast compared to any one of us mortals. But it's like, oh, he's fast like a like a but a regular guy too. And then you can get inspired by by you and me, right? Like, okay, you look at any level and you go, wow, I see what they're doing. You take little things. That's what I love about about this sport. So, um. So yeah, just the idea that okay, well, you know, I gotta I gotta work the core, I gotta work the arms, you know, this this all plays in part of it. It's just well, how do I do that? I don't want to be going to the gym and do like I, I'm not the I'm not going to be like doing doing um, doing big weights like that seems out of my my mindset, right? But I gotta start small. I gotta do baby steps, and so that was a great one. It's short, you know. You buy one piece of equipment, you keep under the coffee table, and you do it two or three times a week, do it once a week if you forget, but it's like, oh, I saw the kettlebell. I better, I better, I better do that. I can, I can do that really quick. When you put on Netflix, you put on Disney plus or whatever you watch and you do it for 20 minutes. And, um, and then I do it, you know, when we're all sitting around after dinner, watching, watching TV together with, with our family. And so then, you know, the added bonus May is watching me like take care of myself. And, you know, her new year's resolution this year was, I want to be bolder and I want to be stronger, you know, and just like she wants to, she's inspired to, I guess by me, I'm just going to call it. She didn't say it, but I'm going to call it. Um, and that feels good, <laughs> right? To like, to pursue something, whatever that is, to to dedicate yourself to something. I love that. Yeah. And yeah. it seems that's, like you've like stuck with it, right? Amazing. I mean, that's the thing. So many of us, so many of us like will start something like this, especially with uh, weight training or just Things that aren't immediately obvious when it comes to change, right? Sometimes we need that positive reinforcement cycle. Like we're starting it and we're getting better and we're getting better. And then that can positively influence us to continue down the path, right? So say you're learning a new language, you're learning some words. Okay, here we go. Picking up weight training, especially if we're doing kind of like a low, kind of a low weight, high rep feel to it. This stuff doesn't immediately become obvious that anything is changing which can be discouraging or even if not discouraging sometimes like all right it's i'm i now lack the requisite like will to like make myself do this this thing that i don't even really want to do that i'm also not seeing immediate results from and that's usually like the perfect like molotov cocktail to like blow up any yeah. routine this is where I put my, this is what I do instead of religion. I put my faith in, in stuff like this. I'm like, I just, you just have to believe that you believe 
trust people who've said it, believe um, your family, believe the the writer you love and go, okay, you know, I, I keep seeing, it. I'm just going to believe in it. I'm going to keep trying it. And, you know, the idea that if you miss it, you know, there's been weeks where I forgot to do it. It's like, well, I don't just stop. It's like, oh, I just, I don't just start up again. Right. And, and that's the hard part, I think, for, for a lot of us. We just go, I screwed it up. I screwed up my New Year's resolution. I didn't do it one day, but it's not an all or nothing. I got a lot of life left, fingers crossed, you know, in theory, you know, that, that, Truth be told, to tell the listeners, you didn't just do fingers crossed, you did air quotes. So I don't know if you just jinx yourself with the whole, I have a lot of life left. I I just got confused. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to knock on wood, cross my fingers, and do one other thing at the same time. I have a lot of life left, air quotes. I got too many things mixed up in there. Good thing this is not a visual medium. so let's talk about what's been going on recently for you, because um, you have been, and I'll let you expand on it, but as someone who's running Boston, who lives in the metro Boston area, you are someone who's been able to um, work, uh, not work out, but has been able to um, do some of these Tracksmith events and in preparation for Boston. And I know this full well, not only because I follow you on Instagram, because but you've also been doing it with two of, friends, two, two of my friends who've been on this show, uh, Maurice Lohman, the Marathon Panda, who's been on many times, and then Ted Jordan, who was on a couple months ago. So talk to me about this, because like I'm insanely jealous that this whole thing is happening. And I'm not and I, I'm not allowed to be part of it because I'm not running the Boston Marathon. But this seems like this you is are- making the Boston I- Marathon experience like a three month experience. And it's like remarkable to me oh it's awesome and but the secret is you don't have to be running the marathon and i probably shouldn't even blow you don't even have to be part of tracksmith to do it they're very generous with how they do this i've been doing their bus runs for like four years because i wanted to just like have the get get the live live vicariously right i'm showing up i'm going out and people like you run in boston like nope just just out here for the fun with you guys um and but yeah i heard i heard maurice on your podcast on one of your podcasts before i met him i I can't remember you guys were talking to him and you and Carolyn were talking to him. And uh, then I saw him, I was like, I, you had the panda earmuffs and I felt like I was meeting a celebrity. Just like, I feel like I'm like, I can't believe you asked me to be on your podcast that I've been listening to for years. So I, I went up and introduced myself. And of course, you know, had no fear of doing that after hearing what kind of person he was, that he's going to be welcoming everybody. And he's talking to Ted and Ted's like, well, I was on the podcast too. I was like, oh no. And then I went and listened to his podcast. And then he told you that he met me. And like, this is, this is where we are now. But uh, I love what they do. I mean, I started doing the tracks and stuff like really early on because I, I, I don't remember how I heard about him. But I love that idea of like going back and celebrating the amateur runner and like the idea of just, dedic- you know, you don't have to be elite. Like some of us are. Most of us aren't. But you come out and you do the work and we, we love it. And, um, and they... My, my side hustle is like I try to find the the the, the deals right. I try to find the, mar- the the last two marathons I ran were the cheap marathon. Uh, it was in Salisbury, Massachusetts. Now it's up in Derry, New Hampshire. It's twenty six dollars and twenty cents. No frills, flat course. It was six loops. Now it's like two out and backs on a rail trail, and it's it's there to like get your BQ and you just want to run. I love the spirit of that. And I, I found out if you um, early on, I don't know if they still do it, but if you volunteer for Tracksmith. Uh, I volunteer for some water steps. You get a $50 gift card, which will get you like half a shirt in tracks. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, they also have got like your PR bonus if you join the the club or I've, I've paced for their. Um, so I've ended up with some decent tracksmith gear dedicating myself to like, I mean, ultimately giving back, but I had my ulterior motive. I got some nice stuff that I, I did just by showing up for some water stops and pacing, but, but 
there's a really positive vibe there. I think they're doing a pretty good job lately also of really walking the walk when it comes to um, representation in terms of people of color, not just tokenizing people and like actually like becoming a more inclusive brand. I think they're doing a really good job of that. So I'll just, I'll just say that out loud. And um, I, I love, uh, I just love the spirit of it. So um, well, but t- yeah. t- tell me more about the, the these bus bus runs as well. Like I think I agree with everything you just said. First of all, um, and we had uh, Carmen Graves on the Road to the Trials podcast talking about some of these issues as well, and we're and she, we're going to talk more about them uh, in the future. Um, with that said, these bus runs, like just the community aspect of this and what they are and the the routes you run, like this whole scene is like I was completely unaware of it, and I just think it's like the best idea. And I don't think they're the only one, right? If you join a fundraising team or they've got, you know, Marathon Sports, I think doesn't, I'm not real, I'm really tuned into Tracksmith, but, you know, they're just like, sign up for a bus run. This is the first I heard about it. It was four or five years ago. And I'm just like, okay, you know, I just signed up. I didn't even know what, it, I was like, am I allowed to be here? I had the same kind of thing. And like, I showed up, I got on the bus. Nobody like, I didn't even own any Tracksmith gear at the time. I was like, are they going to call me out? You know, but, uh, you know, we did it. They have pacer groups every 30 seconds. Um, and, you know, they really, they, they put water stops and they give, they've got some Morton gels out too. And you're just like, this is, this is too good to be true. Like, you know, but I think it's such a great way to, 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 I don't know how they do it internally, but I'm, I'm like, well, maybe this is, you know, this is a great way to do your, use your marketing budget, right? If you're a for-profit business, you know, they've got great materials. They do ads, they do, they sponsor podcasts and things, but they invest in the community, right? And like, there's there was last time it was five busloads of people. It's their biggest one yet. And all those people are now just like, yeah, I'm with you, right? You guys right. you guys are supporting us. You're doing this. Sure. When I get back, I'm going to buy a pair of gloves. You got shoes now? I'll buy some shoes. That's a nice shirt. I'll grab a shirt. I can wear that. I can wear that to work. <laughs> all right. There you go. And we should say, like, so like they, they you meet a tracksmith and they bust. Tracksmith, I shouldn't make that clear. I just no, that's really... fine. And, the, and this podcast isn't sponsored by Tracksmith either. But like, <laughs> so they, you meet a Tracksmith, in, which is downtown Boston, which is right next to the finish line. And then they yeah. bus you out to like, you know, basically the reverse of like 16 miles, like down the course. And then you start. So basically we'll run like, again, this is an example of it, like the last 16 �����������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������������
the, the first five miles of downhill is a key piece of how you're going to feel on that, on that final, uh, on that final, the final rolling hills. But uh, at least you've seen them. At least you've done it. Well, let me let's just touch on before we get going. Like you, you have a meeting in three minutes, and like the vast majority of people who come on the show, you're an amateur runner at heart, which means that you have a full time job. So, what are you doing? Uh, in you know during the day when you're not you know geeking out on people's stravas and and sending sending uh you know your recent workout to some of your text buddies. I'm very proud of what I do. As I just was telling someone yesterday, it's the first job I've had in my entire life where I'm like, I l- truly love my job. I'll be here until they they kick me out. But I um, I run a nonprofit called Save the Harbor, Save the Bay, locally here in Boston. Our offices are down on the fish pier. The rest of the, the pier is all working, fishing boats and fish processors. So the summer smell, you know, is a little questionable, but the view is fantastic. Um, we started in 1986 and helped clean up the Boston Harbor. Boston Harbor, Boston now has some of the cleanest urban beaches in the country. And a lot of people don't know this. You think Cape Cod, you think Cape Ann, but South Boston, Carson Beach, M Street Beach, cleanest urban beaches in the country. You can swim there any day of the year. And we do. We do a big fundraiser, which is actually next week, March 12th, Sunday, March 12th. It's called the Shamrock Splash. Uh, We raise a bunch of money and we turn around and we give that money back away to local groups um, through our Better Beaches program. So I'm really glad you asked. You can find us online at Save the Harbor if people want to follow us. But come to the Shamrock Splash if you're listening to this. We have added the Shamrock Dash. I I have added it. I've I've made everybody add this because I've been wanting to do it for years. I want runners to come out to this because it's such a great event. It's sponsored by Harpoon and it's sponsored by JetBlue. Um, So there's Tons of Harpoon beers if you show up. There um, is chances to win JetBlue flights for biggest fundraiser, but also best costume, which oh, is traditionally nice. not a big, and we got an elite route. You know, it's fun. So anyone, the, the top three finishers in, in all the different categories will get an entry in our elite raffle to win a JetBlue flight. It's only $20 to register, and uh, it's so much fun. And then on the flip side, if you have an idea, if you're with an organization or even just an individual, you've got an idea for a great event you want to do a summer beach event that's going to be free and open to the public. We've got a grant program. Apply for $1,000. Apply for $5,000 to put on a, a running festival. I don't know. Do I'm just thinking of the audience here. But if you've got a band, you know, you're like, hey, we should do a sea shanty uh, festival and, and do it down in, uh, in in Quincy. That's where we want to do it, you know. Call, call us up, email us, and we just talk. We're, we're very locally, we're very approachable. We're a small staff getting a lot done, but... You know, it started with cleaning up the harbor, and now it's really about making them really inclusive and accessible because we're still seeing a lot of inequity when it comes to who's who's feeling like they own these beaches when it's actually everybody. Um, but uh, trying to be really ag- aggressively anti-racist, um, focusing on also people with disabilities, people who don't speak English as a first language, um, and uh, and we one of our core values, as we say, is fun. So I love it. All right, so if someone wants more information. And they like the, they they like hearing what you have to say about that. Where should they go? Savetheharbor.org at Save the Harbor on all the the, the social medias. Um, you'll see all the all the splash stuff. You'll see all the uh, the grant stuff. And then we do free trips to the Harbor Islands all summer long. Come out with us. We got room on the boat. So I love it. All right, and I'll also put those in the show notes as well. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you want to hear my favorite running joke before we go? Of course. If Kira D'Amato hasn't stolen all of them, my favorite one is, you know, we, we all know why uh, Cinderella never does well in her races, right? It's because, her, it's because her coach is a pumpkin. <laughs> oh it's a thinker. It's a thinker. 
<laughs> <laughs> I love it. Chris, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks, Matt. Good to see you.